Um, I just wanted to, um, kind of our whole focus this year is on, on that hope and freedom, but I just wanted to take um, today and, and, and kind of talk about um, things that we struggle with, kind of, you know, everybody, every one of us has, has a weakness. Might as well just raise your hand. Yep, we got weaknesses, <laughs> right? And uh, I want to talk about that because it's not a matter of if you have a weakness or not. It's we all have weaknesses. It's what we do in the midst of those weaknesses. And God has some awesome promises for us. He wants us to grow. And, and the funny thing about it is, is that we grow the most when we feel the weakest. I know it sounds totally opposite, but that, that's the biblical truth. And it's kind of the upside down kingdom version. You know, God's kingdom is always, it's like a paradox. It's like, if we want to go up, we got to go down, right? It's just kind of that, that humility uh, it's just, it just, it's, a, it's that paradox. We don't understand it. Well, Lord, you know, I want to be strong. Well, you become your strongest in him in the midst of your weakness, right? When you feel like you can't do it anymore is when you can do it the most. And really it's in our weakest places that we come to the Lord. You know, for those who know Jesus as your, as your Lord and savior, you didn't come to him when you were strong. You came to him when you needed him the most. For me, that was 1995. On the beach of Daytona, I was overdosing on drugs. The beach of Daytona, Memorial Day weekend. And I needed God the most. I didn't even realize that I needed him the most. I was so proud, so prideful. And he spoke to me. And I had to make a decision. As, as my heart was giving way, I just felt like pain in my chest. Felt like somebody stabbing me with a knife. And God spoke to me, whether you believe it or not, I believe he spoke to me and said, Jeff, if you don't do something right now, you're going to die and you're going to hell. I grew up in a Christian family. I, I heard about the gospel. And I, you know, times I surrendered before, but at that time, it, meant, it was more real to me than any other time. Because I could feel physically something was happening in my body. And I decided to give in. I needed him the most. And I received his hand that was extended to me. And I said, God, whatever you want to do, I'll do it. I remember one of the things that I said to him is, I just can't do it alone anymore. I can't do it on my own. I need you. And I really believe that's one of our greatest revelations that we can have is that we can't do it on our own. When we still feel like we can do it on our own, we're always looking for something else in our own strength and in our own ability. And guess what happens? You can look back in your own life and you can see this for yourself. Every time we obtain what we think will make us happy or fill our lives or just be that one thing that will just make the complete difference, it never satisfies. Only Jesus satisfies. And once you come to know him, you don't have to seek for anything else anymore. When you're in need, you just come back to the one who filled you up because, you know, the Bible talks about, uh, you know, uh, us being earthen vessels, kind of like a vessel. Well, you know, vessels after a while, they can get leaky, you know, and just being in this world, man, you can, you can leak. It's, this world can dry you up. It's like a baked sun coming down on you, glass of water. You leave it there long enough, everything would dehydrate, and you're just there, right? This world would just suck it from you. But he's the only one that satisfies. So when you feel empty, once you accept him as your Lord and Savior, once you bring him into your life and you, you acknowledge to him, God, I believe in you. I believe that you exist. I believe that you care for me. I believe that I can't be made right with you without you. And then I, I do have sin. We all make mistakes. 
It's not a matter if we're going to make mistakes or not make mistakes. We're guaranteed to make mistakes. That's not why God came. He didn't come because we made mistakes. He, made, he came because sin separated us from him from a choice that Adam made in the Garden of Eden. And he wanted us to come back to him so much that he came, Jesus, in human flesh, all God, all man, and died for the sins of all humanity. Everything that separates us from God to give us the opportunity to be able to come back to him. He gave us a choice that we didn't have without him choosing to do what he did. And he don't take the choice away from you. He just gave you that choice. Without him doing that, you would never have that choice. But he did it so that you could have a choice if you wanted to, to come to him. And I encourage you, it's the best decision to come to him. Not only just one time, but every single day. Can you say amen? amen. So I just really want to kind of take this time just to really, you know, talk about, uh, you know, weakness and, and, and strength together. And actually, if you take notes, if you're someone who takes notes, the title of this message is Weak and Powerful. Don't make sense, right? Weak and Powerful. You know, I remember, uh, uh, I remember a girl growing up um, that she just wanted to, she just wanted to get married. And I remember her saying one time we were together with friends and, and she said, I wish I could just go to sleep and wake up and be married with a family. You know, just like, well, I don't know how that's going to happen. But, uh, but still, the idea is that we just want to get through things that are uncomfortable to us. And to her, it was kind of that dating period. We just want to get through the things that are uncomfortable to us and get to the place of what we think is going to fulfill us. When it's really the things that are uncomfortable to us, which is our weaknesses and the things that we don't understand or can't comprehend at times, are the places that God wants to meet us the most. It's not just about getting to a destination. It is so much more of really the journey along the line where we get to understand more of who God is. And the more you come to understand who God is, you also find out who you are. Did you ever notice that? I know more about myself because of God. I thought I knew me. You probably could say the same thing. You thought you knew you until you received Jesus, and then whenever you accepted him into your life, he began to show you things about you, not to point out bad things, but to show you things that are missing in our relationship with him that he wants to fill. Are you with me? So God wants us to be able to embrace these times when we feel our, our weakest, you ever been so weak that like, you know, sometimes maybe if you, if you had the flu, it's, you know, if you're sick, but did you ever work so hard that you just felt so weak? I mean, I remember working so hard sometimes with my hands, be working so hard that it was even hard just to even close your hand or, or to make a fist, just kind of like, ah, you just feel so tired and so weak. And God wants us in those, in, in, in those midst right then when we feel like we can't give any more, that is the prime time for us to receive the strength of God in our lives. And I want to look at Second um, Corinthians. This is where we're going to take our main thing from, Second Corinthians chapter 12. And uh, if, you're, if you're familiar with the Bible, there's a man in there named Paul, and he was an apostle, which means just a sent one. He was one of the early uh, believers that you know, went out and to, to preach the gospel. Um, he was also used by God to write uh, when it came to the New Testament. Uh, that's kind of the stories of Jesus going up to the believers uh, um, you know, after Jesus had died and rose from the grave. Um, he was one of the ones that the Holy Spirit used to write, you know, over two-thirds of the New Testament. 
He was an, a phenomenal missionary for the Lord. But he suffered a lot too. A lot of things that he suffered. He talked about in chapter 11, he talks about all these things that he went through, that he was, you know, beat uh, 30, was, was 39 stripes three different times. He was, he was uh, beaten with a rod, I think two or three different times, beaten with a rod. Um, he was shipwrecked, spent a night and a day floating in the ocean. I mean, all these things, you know, his countrymen, you know, those who, because he was a Jew, so his own countrymen were coming against him and persecuting him, beating him, torturing him, as well as those who didn't, you know, that weren't of a Jewish race, you know, considered Gentile. So if you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. Did you know that? You're a Gentile. So, so being a Gentile, you know, they would come against him as well and, and all these things. And, and uh, God, he, he received so many awesome revelations of God. And one of the things God did is, is uh, he gave him this revelation. He, he took him to, he said, what was like the third heaven, you know, up to, he was up to the throne room of God. And, and the, the Bible says that he, he was allowed to see things and hear things that he couldn't even express with his own language on earth. It was things that he saw that there was nothing on earth to, to be able to describe it to. It's like, you know, having uh, someone explaining a car and it's like, oh, this new car came out, you know, and it's like that 57 Chevy, right? So you have something to compare it to. He saw things that you could not compare anything to here on earth. And the Bible says that because of these revelations in order to keep him from being prideful, that there was a messenger of Satan that was given to him. And it really, he called it a thorn in the flesh. And I don't want to get stuck on the thorn in the flesh because it's really, the thorn in the flesh doesn't really matter. Even theologians get around it and they, and they, they can't decide what it was. Was it a physical thing? Was it just, you know, persecutions? It doesn't matter. The point was he was at a weak state where he couldn't take it anymore. And he cried out to God, take this from me. Take it from me. And this is where we are in this scripture, 2 Corinthians 12, verse number 8. He said, three different times, I begged the Lord, take it away. Take this away from me. Did you ever beg anything from God? Did you ever get to a place where you're so desperate? You're just, in a sense, you're pleading, you're, you're begging God, God, I, you got to do something. I, I'm so weak, I can't keep going on like this. Something has got to change. He says, take it away. Or maybe just like, give me some relief, you know. Can't we just bypass this whole product? Just get me to the end where I'm happy again. Get me to the place where I feel strong again. God, that's where I want to be. And God wants us to, be strength, or to have strength. He wants us to be strong. But strength in, in our own ability is no strength at all. So temporal. He said three different times. He came to God three different times. And he begged him, take this away from me. Next scripture. Each time, three different times he went. Each time he said to me, my grace is all you need. My power works best in your weakness. My power works best when you feel like you can't go anymore, when you feel like you've given everything you've got, we're, we're literally one more step and you feel like you're going to die. This is when my power shows up and I become your strength. So this word grace, you know, if you've been around the church at all, if not, we can explain it. There's, there's a saving grace 
And it's also an empowering grace, but then there's this empowerment that we're talking about right here. Saving grace is, both of it's the same thing. It's, it's God's ability to do for you what you never could do on your own. So when, he ta- when Paul talks about in Romans, he talks about, um, uh, Romans is another book in the Bible that he, they call him Romans because of the, that he broke it up. He actually was writing to a church in Rome. So it's just an easy way to do it, Romans. <laughs> but uh, so he, he wrote to them and he's talking about, you know, this, this saving grace. Like you can't be saved by anything that you do. It's not by your power. Christ had to come and pay the penalty. There's a penalty for sin. Punishment had to be given, but God loved us so much, he didn't want to punish us. He punished his son on our behalf so that we could come to him. So there's that saving grace. It's nothing, you can't be saved. You can't get into heaven by any works on your own. It's nothing that you do that will get you into heaven. It's everything that he has done that gives you access into heaven. So the only thing that you do is believe in what he has already done. That's our faith. We believe in what he has already done. This is our whole Christian walk. This is our whole Christian faith. Walking things out is believing in what he has already done for us. And it kind of takes it to that, what, what many would know as the saving grace. There was, there was a period of time, I don't know if it's still the same or not, there was a period of time when you talked about grace that the church at large, talking about everyone who believes in Jesus Christ on the planet, you know, spe- specifically more so in the sense of, of the Western church here in the United States, that they believed grace was just a saving grace. It's just that. But they didn't believe it as being a, uh, an empowerment of God's ability to help you do things that you can never do on your own. And we see that in this scripture. Because he said, I, I can't take this away from me. And he said, my grace or my divine enablement, my ability is sufficient for you. It's always more than enough for what you need. And I love this because my power works best in your weaknesses. One translation says, it finds its full expression. Like, it's like God saying, I'm able to express the most of me in your life whenever you are at your weakest point. That's when I'm able to express the fullness of who I am when you can't. So then Paul goes on. He, he got this, really, if you want to say epiphany, whatever. He got this revelation, and he went through a lot of stuff. You can go to, to, to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Just read all the things that he went through in his life. We, I mean, we would be like, what? You know, everything that he went through to, to, to deliver the message, the good news of Jesus Christ. And it says he got this epiphany after God coming to him three times and telling him, my grace is all you need. He goes on to say, that's why I take pleasure in my weakness. How many people take pleasure in their weakness? Come on, let's get a hand raised here. <laughs> Nobody. Well, we don't... It, Weakness is not pleasurable. You know, sicknesses and, and all these things that we have to walk through, things that we have to do, endure, it, it, it's not pleasurable. But we could be missing something because when we're walking through those things, when we're at our weakest spot, that's when we could really experience the abundant life of God that he has for us in those moments and empower us. He said, that's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in, in the insults and hardships and persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That's how you can be weak and yet powerful. I love the, the Passion Translation. It says it this way. I'm not defeated by my weaknesses. How many people have been defeated 
by their weaknesses. I can raise my hand. I can raise my hand. Where I totally missed who God wanted to be for me in those moments. Totally missed it. I was just like that the friend of mine. I just want to get to the end result. Forget about all this stuff in the middle. Just get me there because we think that's where the prize at. It's not the prize. You can't hang on to the prize if you don't go through the journey to get the prize. Are you with me? But we don't do it alone. It's, it's nothing ever on our own. It's God with us. That was the message that was the good news that was spoken to the shepherds on the night when Jesus was born. He said, I give you good tidings of great joy. God has come. He is with you. Can you say amen? amen? He said, I'm not defeated by my weaknesses, but delighted. For my weakness becomes a portal to God's power. I love that. My weakness becomes a portal to God's power. So we need to get to this place of feeling defeated by our weaknesses and to, and to change our perspective is some of the things we've been talking about since the beginning of this year, being able to see things like God sees them so we can be who God wants us to be, who he created us to be. And that is the satisfaction when we're walking in divine, uh, the divine will of God for our own lives that he has created us to do. Can you say amen? So in the middle of life just happening, how do you go from being defeated by your weaknesses to being delighted in your weaknesses? Anybody want to know? I want to know. Who's going to, who's going to tell us? <laughs> the Word of God's going to tell us. <laughs> so I'm going to give you three things, three things to help us change our perspective about our weaknesses. This is how, this is how we draw close to God. The Bible says, you know, if we draw close to him, he'll draw close to us. And the fact is, you've heard me say this, he already took the first initiative. God, you will never take the first initiative in anything in your relationship with God. God always takes the first initiative. And then you respond to what he's, how he's approached you, how he's come to you. And when you respond, he responds in return. Then you have this perpetual thing that just begins to happen. You responding to God, God responding to you, you responding to God, God responding to you. All the while, you're getting closer and closer and becoming more like him. Isn't beautiful? It's a beautiful dance. So the first thing we want to do to change our defeated, our being feeling defeated in weakness to delighted is you have to really change the way you think about your weakness. The Bible talks about these uh, these words. It's a great study if you want to go through it. It's, it's, uh, Paul and all the other writers and stuff that were in there will say consider. It's like think about it, ponder this, go through this, think about your weakness. Think about those times. And, and the thing about it is, if we want to get out of a process when God wants to be the most for us in that moment, he's really creating us. He wants to cause us to be, become more like him as we yield to him in those moments, as we're crying out to him in our weaknesses, God, be my strength. It's in those moments that we become stronger. But if we, if we opt out to seeing things at his way in that moment, God doesn't love us any less, but he won't take away the time of testing that's necessary for us to come to become more close like him. So in a sense, we'll have to go around that mountain again sometime. We may get temporary relief and be like, oh, that is over. He's like, no, no, it's actually you still to go to the next place in me, you still have to pass this test. So the test will come again. The test will come again. And he loves us so much that he keeps bringing it because he wants us to get it. 
because then we'll be able to endure. Then we become stronger in those places that we were weak in before. Now we're not as weak as we used to be because we saw him come through for us. So consider your weakness. One, uh, one scripture says this in, in 1 Corinthians 1.26. Um, he says, consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh or, you know, in our, in our human nature, not many mighty, not many strong, and not many noble. There wasn't, there wasn't many that were like, you know, of their family lineage was just as strong. You know, how many how many's ever been there? It's like, man, I wish I would have been, you know, part of the Rockefeller family, you know, they got set up for life, you know. Well, that doesn't make it all joyful just because they have finances, right? It says not many of these people were called. They weren't called by that. Every single one of us, when we're called, like we said earlier, we're in our weakest state. And God don't call you because he needs what you have. He calls you because you need what he has. That's good. God don't call you because he needs what you have. He calls you because you need what he has. And really, you need who he is. He's everything that you need. I mean, we can go through, I'm not going to like go through a long, exhaustive thing, but Abraham, Abraham, he was, he was weak in his body. He could not produce children anymore. Him and his wife, Sarah, they, they could not produce children anymore. He was unable. He was old. But God, in his weakness, did something that he couldn't do. Are you with me? Moses was rejected and insecure. He was rejected. He thought whenever he was called, you know, by God, he felt that calling on his life. And, and, and uh, he, he went out to try to, to deliver Israel. And he began to, to stand, you know, for them and ended up killing somebody in the process. And they're like, who are you? You think you're going to bring us out of Egypt? Who made you a ruler over us? And he ran away for 40 years. When God came to him, one of the first things he says, God, I'm not able to do this. I'm insecure. I can't speak. I can't do all these things. God said, I didn't call you because of what you had. I'm calling you because of who I need to be for you. I just want you to be willing. Are you with me? I mean, there's many more we could go down through. I would like to touch on Paul real quick because it's the opposite spectrum. Paul was, you know, a Pharisee of Pharisees, the same Paul that said this, you know, I'll now delight in my weakness. I take pleasure in it. For God speaking this to me. Before, you know, he was, before he came to, and had his experience with Jesus, he was a Jew and he was serving the God of the Jews, which is still the same God that we, that we serve, Jesus, you know. And so he, 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 he was strong in his faith in the Lord, you know, and in the law and all these things, but he was prideful and he, he was doing all these things on his own and God came and knocked him off his high horse and everything that he learned before that he thought he was strong in he found himself actually opposing God God humbled him and then he did magnificent things for the Lord we can see it with his disciples as well every single one of them you know they were really in one of the the smallest uh, unnoticeable un cities that they came from, and he went around. They were nobodies that he called to make somebody. Come on. They were nobodies. And he called them in their weakness, and he didn't say, you know, hey, you, know, you guys look like you got some business things going on. Let me just use those business skills, and we'll build a ministry. No, he said, follow me, and I will make you. Meaning, you don't have what you need to be yet, but I will make you into it. Just follow me. So we have to consider our weaknesses. The next thing is we need to consider Jesus. We need to think about Jesus. We need to look at him a little bit different here. Yeah. It's good to remind ourselves of who God is and what he has done for us. 
who he is and what he's done for us. I try to do this daily, especially whenever I, you know, because sometimes you just don't feel like it. Come on, let's just be honest. You don't feel like it, but our faith has nothing to do with our feelings. But I find this out whenever I begin to speak God's word and, and, and I put my faith on his word and I begin to declare it out of my mouth, it changes the way that I feel. When I begin to say, God, I don't feel strong, but you are my strength. I thank you. God, I just, you know, there's things as you get in the word, you find out more who God is and you can just begin to declare these things. The Bible itself will explain it to you. As you get into the word, it will tell you who God is. God, you are my refuge and you are my strength and you are my shield and you are my comfort and you are my salvation and you are my help, Lord God. You are my wisdom and you are my peace. It's endless. And as I begin to speak, as I just begin to recount these things in my mind and I begin to declare them out of my mouth, whatever it is I feel like I'm walking through or how weak I am in that moment, I begin to receive strength. Not my strength, his strength in the midst of my weakness. It didn't change my weakness. My weakness is still there. Your weakness gets covered up with his strength. It becomes that portal. Are you with me? So look what Jesus says. We're considering Jesus. John, this is on the night, the night just really, you know, hours before he gets arrested and, 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 and taken before the council and then taken before the Roman government and then crucified. He's with his disciples. This is John 16, 32 and 33. It says this, and the time has come, Jesus speaking, when you will be scattered and each one of you will go your own way, leaving me alone. He's telling the 12 that are with him, his closest, yet I am never alone. This is a great revelation we all need to get because a lot of times, especially when we're weak, we feel alone. But that is a lie because we are not alone. God is always there. He says, you're gonna leave me, but I, but I am never alone for the Father is always with me. And everything I've taught you is so that the peace which is in me will be in you. And will give you great confidence as you rest in me. You're resting in that peace of who he is for you. For in this unbelieving world, you will experience troubles and sorrow, but you must be courageous, for I have overcome the world. Man. So, it's... Kind of, we set ourselves up to be deceived when we think that we're going to walk through life, even as believers, and never have any weaknesses. Where we're looking to be at a place where we'll always be strong. I haven't found a Christian, no matter how powerfully they're used by God, that doesn't go through a time when they feel weak. Because we'll never get to a place in God where we don't need Him. Are you with me? So this is on the night Jesus is about to be crucified. He, they're heading to the garden. They go to the garden. And look at this. This is amazing because this is what, what Paul was talking about. Now we have Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. He's there, and he takes his 12, and he says, pray over here. And he takes the three that were his, you know, his closest companions. They took him places. He didn't take other people. He said, you be here. And he went on a little bit further. And guess what he did? He fell down before the Father, and he said, Father, take this from me. Didn't we hear that before? Paul, take this from me. I asked you three times. Guess what Jesus did? He said this three times to the Father. Father, if it is possible, take this cup. 
from me, this cup of suffering. But I don't want what I want. I want what you want. Now, the Bible doesn't say, we don't have an account where the, where the father spoke to Jesus here. But it was the same result. Even in his silence that we don't see. I mean, maybe he spoke something we don't know, but the Bible doesn't say so. But even if when God is silent, he is still speaking. He was telling Jesus the same thing that Jesus told Paul. My grace is enough for you. And for some reason that only God knows, you know, he's, he's not obligated to tell us every detail of why we walk through certain things in our lives. God's not, he, he, he says, I'm not going to tell you everything you're going to walk through. But there are certain things. It was necessary for Jesus to walk through what he did. Otherwise, we couldn't have salvation. We could not have an opportunity to be able to spend eternity in heaven with the Lord without him doing what he did. Three times, but God was saying, my, my grace is enough for you. And then we see in Hebrews 12, it says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. It's talking about his life journey and faith. Looking to Jesus, the, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself. Why? So that you may not grow weary and then become faint-hearted. You know, the amazing thing about me seeing Jesus here whenever he, he didn't get the answer that he wanted in his flesh. And he was, you know, he was all man and all God. He was a pure man because he had never sinned. He was the seed of God. It's, that's kind of hard to comprehend. That's why he, you know, God the Father, you know, or really the Holy Spirit, you know, put the seed of Jesus in, in the flesh of a woman, Mary. And she conceived. It wasn't, it wasn't the seed of a man. It was the seed of God. That's why he was holy, without sin. And he lived a sinless life. And, he, and he's there. And when the father didn't speak and didn't say anything to him, you know, and he didn't, he didn't get the answer. He's like, there's, there's no other way. Okay, God, we're going to do this. It's funny because Jesus just kept his mouth shut, really, the, the rest of the way. There's only very few times he speaks in the Gospels until after the crucifixion. When he's being whipped, he's, he don't say anything. Isaiah prophesied it. Even while he was being tortured, he kept his mouth shut, just like a lamb that was being sheared. Because he was... He had his hope and his reliance on God. Since I have to walk through this, I'm believing for your strength to be able to do it. This is what God wants our hope to be in him. And the amazing thing is, now that, now that Jesus, you know, is exalted, he went through that for all of us. Now that he is the exalted Lord, he gives enduring powers to those who will call upon him. Just like he called upon the Father. Now Paul called upon him and, God, and Jesus was able to give him the same, my grace is enough for you. Are you with me? The beautiful thing about it is, you know, we feel so unattracted when we feel so weak. Don't you? I mean, I don't know about you, but whenever I feel my weakest and I'm really looking at myself, I don't want to be around people. I want to hide in the corner. I want to, I want to wallow in my own self-pity and weakness. But you can't get away from God. He's there. And he wants to be strength for us. And the beautiful thing about it is, is that God is attracted to your weakness. His power is attracted to your weakness. 
And he just wants us in the midst. It's so hard to think, how could you love me where I'm at right now? How many times have I failed and, and, and messed up? And gosh, I feel so stupid at times. How could you still love me? Because his love for you is not based on anything that you do or don't do. It's based on the fact that he created you and he loves you, period. His love for you is not based on you. His love for you is based on him. He loves everybody. Last one was so that we're considering our weakness. We consider Jesus. We need to change our thoughts and consider the opportunities that our weaknesses bring. This is where you, in the moment when you feel your weakest, that you're stopping. You're saying, wait a second, I could be missing an opportunity here. This, this could be what I need to get closer to God. This could be what I need to be able to endure this, pass the test, and receive the strength to be able to endure what's coming next. Are you with me? So James 1, 2 through 4 says this, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind, so whatever your troubles that you're walking through right now, it's in the scriptures. When, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. We've seen this three times now. Paul said, I now delight. I have pleasure in my weaknesses. Jesus, he said, you know, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. And now James is saying this here, you know, if any trouble come your way, consider an opportunity so you can experience the same joy that Jesus has in you and in obedience to the Father. I think that you know, for myself, I know for sure, and I, and I, I could say for you because it's just kind of a human, human trait, but we feel like for some reason we get off on this and we can deceive ourselves when we think that our value is connected to our strength, when our value is not connected to our strength. Your value is not even connected to your weakness. You're not less valuable because you feel weak in a moment. And you're not more valuable because you feel strong in a moment and are full of confidence. It don't change your value. And there's a great difference between price and value. There's a difference between price and value. Price is something that someone says, I'm willing to pay this price for that. But there's been plenty of people said, you know, hey, you know, maybe someone has a possession of something and be like, I'll give you this for that. And they could say, I don't care how much. I'll give you a million dollars for that car. No, that car has more value to me than the money. So value and price are different. And, you know, Satan wants to use our weaknesses to demoralize us and to devalue us or even get us to, to unvalue or undervalue ourselves. We get to that place where we begin to undervalue, un <laughs> undervalue. there it is, undervalue. We begin to undervalue ourselves, but God wants to use our weaknesses as an opportunity to draw us closer to him, to show us how to tap into our new man in Christ Jesus and to demonstrate his love and show off his power through us. I want to read one scripture and then we'll close. Don't need to expound on this. Romans 5, 1 through 5. It says, since we have been justified by faith, we're made right through our faith in Jesus. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this 
grace, my grace is sufficient, in which we stand and we rejoice. There it is again. We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. The glory of God says it in Colossians. It says, and this is the glory of God, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us.